You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Today, going to take a look at the Ravens practice squad uh, generated earlier today. Most of the signees are on there. They've got 15 of 16 spots filled right now. Uh, here to talk to me about that is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing? Doing great, Ken. I always love being hopping on with you. Yeah, always a lot of fun. Out there in Alaska, I always have to ask you, what's the temperature like there? Is it starting to drop yet? Oh yeah, it's starting to drop now, man. We've had like an unseasonably like wet summer. It's now it's kind of carrying into fall. Like like it's, it's it, the people who I I feel the worst for in days like this are like high school athletes and particularly the, the tennis players because unlike football, <laughs> unlike huh, unlike football and some other sports, like when it rains, they you know rain or shine, they're still out there grinding, right? But tennis, it's such a dangerous thing to do on a wet surface that those kids have to have their entire matches. Like rescheduled or canceled sometimes. So and they don't have indoor courts up there to use, I assume. So so once once the snow starts falling, then they move to like in, indoors. Once the temperature gets too low, then they move to indoors. All right. And that's got to be more restricted, obviously, with fewer total indoor courts, I would think. Oh yeah. All right, Josh. Let's let's talk about the uh the Ravens practice squad here. I think everybody kind of wants to hear about it. And do you have any overarching thoughts before we start this about the practice squad? I have one big thought about this practice squad isn't just for 2023 is is one of my thoughts and there are a couple guys on there who seem to meet that criteria and then there's others who are not um overarching i mean i, I know we're going to get into it probably in, in in the pod but you know the the gamble that they rolled in trying to get on caillou kelly on the on the practice squad um you know i, I had a feeling that it might fail like even if even if he didn't put i mean his, his tape his tape that he put out there in the preseason was up and down you know to begin with but teams opposing teams will always bet on that draft pedigree if a guy had a, had like a, had a draft if they had a draft grade on the guy especially a team like he ended up getting claimed by the, the seahawks who were you know good at developing cornerbacks with you know good traits and experience um it's just man, it almost gives me like reminiscent of the Ben Mason pick a few years back. It was very kind of, much kind, similar. kind of like, exactly. like a wasted pick. Like, dude, you, you spent a fifth round pick on a guy. Now when they now when they drafted him, he was a guy who 
like you know, even even some of the similar scouts said they they had envisioned him being in like if he would have came out a year early, he probably would have been a second second day pick. Yeah, I, I I thought they drafted him way too high where they did. I didn't like the pick even a little bit, and I you know, said so at the time. If you want to go back and listen to the the draft uh, after draft review shows, I did. I just cannot see the characteristic that they saw that they really loved in Kelly. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of terrible statistics. Okay, now that kind of changes the burden of proof. I don't say there's no way that that Kelly could be a good draft pick, but tell me why he's a good draft pick. What did you like about him that was so good that you can ignore all of the over eight yards per reception, or not per reception, per target that he gave up in college? Everything I heard was like, well, as far as what they liked was the 2020, 2021 tape, and then the the the, the matchup. Yeah, in Senior Bowl, and then and then the matchups he had against uh, the USC guys like uh, Drake London the year, the Drake London, and then um, who was it this past this past year? Addison. Uh, Addison, yeah, Drake London the year before, and then Addison this year. Yeah, I, I've I've heard those same things, but that's all mixed into a bunch of really bad numbers in there. And I know Stanford hasn't been successful the last couple of years in terms of their football program. At least the last year they were pretty pretty darn terrible. Uh, so there are reasons why it wasn't wasn't uh, you know necessarily right, but they left some guys on the roster who you think you take a chance on a draft pick first, and one guy is Arthur Mollette. Yeah, uh, was, that was surprising. Was, He's got two hundred twenty thousand in guaranteed money, so the Ravens would have been letting that go. But that is that's a sunk cost. The guy missed most of camp with injuries. Uh, he's a backup slot corner. Uh, you know, I. I if you're going to take a chance on the corner and if you're going to, you know, Jalen Armour Davis was kind of in the same boat with Kelly with a year of additional tenure uh, and even less experience playing the position, frankly, uh, it's, it's a seemed like an oddball kind of a trade-off in terms of still having Mollett around. And, uh, and they kept David, kept Armour Davis. They kept eight, eight cornerbacks on this team, even though they have uh, Artarius Washington classified as a safety. He's their slot corner. Yeah. And uh, it's it's uh, I'm, they've never carried eight before that I can recall. They had seven before, but I've never remembered them carrying eight. Yeah, and they, they really like those like those versatile guys like 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 Stevens and 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 um and, and Washington. But yeah, man, I was just I was just really really baffled, a little baffled by that one, just just because I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? And I know Harbaugh had that comment about you know can't bat a thousand, you know, and he wishes him well and all that. But I'm just like, man, even you guys got something back for Sean Wade. He, he wasn't just a something cost like you were saying. You know, at least they trade they flipped him for I don't know what that, I don't remember what they traded the Patriots for, but. You could have got like maybe conditional pick for for uh, Caillou Kelly or something. I don't, I don't know. I was just possible. That, that, yeah, that was the one. Just like if you didn't get him on the practice squad, it chalked that up one as, as an L to me. Yeah, I I mean I agree with that. And and if they're if they're saying they gambled and they didn't think anybody would take him and they didn't want to take a conditional seventh, I do kind of understand that because conditional seventh has very little value. But you know if if it was going to be a six for a five or something like that then i definitely probably would have said pull the trigger and I, I don't think anybody was offering anything that good i think they were trying to hope that he slipped through and made it so i guess i understand the gamble the the, the part of the gamble i don't understand is keeping molette and and dropping kelly if you if your beliefs in him being something better than his statistics are really there because the other thing kelly was in college was a really bad tackler and he he's a frame to tackle very well. They have a very high missed tackle rate in college, and uh, it's you know you, you got to be good at something. And and I, I I just I really didn't get it. But if if their belief in the guy was still good, if they had a couple of scouts who had red stars on him, because that could well have been the case. They might have loved him in interviews. They might have loved him at the Senior Bowl. They might have loved him for a lot of reasons. But you got to kind of tell me why the rest of his statistics, why the rest of his performance is lying to us. It's not just enough to say, I saw him play this one good play because playing cornerback is like playing offensive line. It's a hits per at bat profession. You get a lot of at bats during the season playing corner. Yeah. So if you read it, read more into Carbar's comments, he, when you talked about it more, they were like, you know, because of the whole roster crunch, you know, like we kind of squeezed our stuff out of developmental spots. So that means they saw they viewed Caillou as a developmental guy, you know, whether that was based on off his draft profile or what they've seen in him since drafting him. So they viewed him as a developmental prospect. And so it's like, okay, 
well, if you view him as a developmental guy, then you know why not try to develop him? Like even if it was like even if you cut cut Mallet, uh, you know, Mallet, because you know he's he's a vested veteran, and then yep. you know put you know come up with some injury to get Caillou on on IR, like I'm assuming they're gonna do with maybe Malik Ham and some other and some other maybe one or two other other guys. I know Pepe for sure is gonna go on, on yeah, IR. Pepe, Bowser. A few, a few guys are Humphrey, but a lot of those vested veterans will be back. And we actually covered that in a previous show, so I don't want to cover too much of that. Let's get back to the to the guys who actually are on the practice squad. Yep. Which is, you know, what we're here to talk about. And that that uh it's an interesting group, but my overarching thought that I wanted to 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 mention was that I think that it's more important than ever with the incredible batch of UFAs the Ravens are facing prior to 24 for them to actually make developmental progress on the practice squad this year. Those guys actually get to practice with the team the whole year, presumably if they get kept, um, you know, and, and they can find some talented players that they're either going to bring up for their first action this year, but they don't absolutely have to have a chance to do that. If they see a true developmental player. And I think that's what they have in Jeremy Lucian, for example, then they can leave him on the practice squad the whole year. He probably doesn't get taken and, probably be an excellent candidate to take either the job for either stone or Worley if they depart next year. So, you know, you've got some good backup talent. Anyway, I want, that's what I want on this practice squad. And I think Tashawn Manning kind of fits that profile, but I think a whole lot of players on here and we're going to get to that. Don't meet that profile at all. There, uh, I hope this guy might be able to fill in this year uh, player rather than a real chance to to try and mine gold or pan for gold and find somebody who might be a good player in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the two linemen, the two linemen that they kept, uh, Manning and and Doss. You know, uh, Manning being the SEC guy. I know they love their SEC linemen, mm-hmm. and Doss just being a big mammoth of a man, like three hundred and eighty pounds. So, yeah. Well, let's talk. Very first name on the list, Anthony Brown, as a as a player got kept. A lot of people thought there'd be no place for him. I, I kind of saw him as the only guy who fit on the practice squad for this team. Like I, Josh Johnson is still hanging out in limbo right now, but I believe that's going to be a move back onto the roster for the first four weeks as soon as Huntley goes to IR. Yep, yep. Huntley, Huntley or you know, if they put, if they play somebody else on, on IR, like like say Malik Ham or or maybe Keaton Mitchell, if his shoulder injury lingers, you know, his his, his stinger lingers, is because I don't really see a role for him right off the bat um, for for the, for this team, you know, barring injury, unless he just. You know, he just balls out of special teams, which I don't really see the point in carrying four running backs just for special teams value alone. Yeah, I it's I agree. That's a difficult that's a difficult call. He'd be a he'd be a kick returner and he'd have to have some part of your three down offensive plan and be in there for some downs. And I think you're probably right that the only way that happens is if something happens to one of the big three, because they all look pretty, pretty damn solid right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I could see maybe if you wanted him like as your it's like, you know, like your pitch got to the outside or outside zone stuff. But mm-hmm. then defenses pick up on that. Like, hey, this is the outside zone guy. You know, they're not, you know, like, you know, so you can't really do that too much. And then they will, hey, when 34 checks in the game, they're most likely going to run a swing pass to him or something to get him to the edge, edge real quick because you can turn up field. So, like, even that would kind of lose its value after, after a few weeks. I mean, I, I don't completely disagree with that comment, but I will say if Monken's offense is what they hope it will be. It will create space such that you can't deal with all the playmakers the Orioles, the, the Orioles, the Ravens have offensively, and you know you can get Keaton Mitchell into space somehow, even if they think, oh, it's got to be an outside zone pitcher. It's, it won't be a pattern. It'll be a there's a number of different ways that Monken can get Mitchell into space with the football, and and he's a dangerous player. And I I, I do hope that the, Ra- the the Ravens are able to do that on a regular basis and and not just have a you know, a, a couple of plays for each player that are designated like, you know, so-and-so is only between the tackles and and uh, and all the, that uh, J.K. runs is a sp- specific set of cutback plays and whatnot. It's uh, to me, that would be very weak. Yeah, I just like I, now that you mentioned that, just think back at how they use those running backs at Georgia and just got them in the ball in a myriad of different mm-hmm. ways, either out of the backfield or you know in, in space. And so, exactly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. I just, I just don't like giving defense easy tells. But I also, like you said, I am excited that you know they are going to be able to spread things out. So you're not going to be fighting guys in a phone booth as much, whereas you can spread the guys out and give them time to you know make make plays in space. So that, yeah, that should be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then it's Lamar Jackson is always the guy with the football first. So, or at least we hope so. So, uh, uh, when that's true, you, you, it makes everybody better. And, uh, I, you know, Munkin, hopefully, 
you know, people won't forget what Roman did for this offense, but if, if things work out the way they should, if things work out the way that, that Munkin seems to have preached, then I think this could be very exciting your offensively here in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, yeah, but back to Anthony Brown point, like I said, I, I, I feel like he, he's like, he could, you know, like I said, this is another eye to the future kind of move for me. Cause you know, like I don't, I don't know how much longer Josh Johnson wants to keep, keep playing and you know, who knows what the market might look for Tyler Huntley this time, not this time next year, but next year when he's, when he's uh, no longer uh, a restricted free agent. So, you know, if you could keep, Anthony Brown around and developing him in your system because he showed, showed flashes in the preseason of a guy who, you know, has, has a lot of potential. It's just, you know, the fumble or some of the, you know, the, the miss, the miss, the miss throws here or there, but he's a guy that, you know, like I, I feel like if anything, he kind of uses athleticism a little bit more this preseason compared to last. Yes, he wasn't, I agree. He wasn't, yeah. He wasn't really running that much last year, but this year, especially that, 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 um, that Buccaneers game, he's really getting out and like, he wasn't, you know, kind of, this, he knows playing behind third and fourth string offensive linemen, your pocket's gonna crumble pretty fast. So he was he, he was being pretty judicious and when deciding how to run and when when the run, um, you just gotta protect the football a little bit better. Yeah, I thought I thought he did a really good job uh, do, doing that too. Uh, uh, aside from the football, yeah, aside from the fumble. Uh, anyway, I think he was the only one who made sense to me being on the on the practice squad. But let's keep going. Tykeem Doss. Uh, played a lot of left tackle during the preseason, and when he did, he didn't really look very good there. Unfortunately, that was my thought about it. Did you see anything that that you can latch onto and say this is a this is a trait, this is a characteristic, this is a, some amount of success that the Ravens can build on? No, I mean that the, those third and fourth string offensive linemen had a pretty tough time keeping him pass pro for most of the preseason that I that I saw, and um, like I said, he's just a guy that you know I feel like he's the developmental prospect that people thought Salah was going to be. That people thought Salah was going to be like a two year project kind of guy coming out of, coming out of Oregon, um, but you know he kind of. You know, he showed through through his play and his aptitude for for, for coaching and and learning that you know he's not as far away as people thought he was going to be. But but Doss, I believe, is is a guy who needs a lot more refinement than um than even than, than even a guy like Sala was initially being projected as. I I think I basically agree with that, but I do think if expectations are that Sala is going to be on the field this year, they we've probably been disabused of that by now. Uh, he didn't. He did not look like he belonged on an NFL field at all in this preseason. Uh, it w- just was awful in pass protection. Each game, uh, I graded his snaps and graded out an F each time. So, and it, you know, it's just unfortunately he's just not ready to play yet. And and that is one of the difficulties for these this Ravens team because they have two pure developmental linemen that aren't really ready to see the field, which unfortunately is also true of Falele. And you know, I hope he will be ready. At some point, at some point, he has to be ready and they have to be able to put him out there and, and hope things, you know, don't have a they don't have a very high probability of going very wrong when they when if they need him at some point. But right now, he's he and he and Salah are both developmental linemen. Yeah. And Harbaugh had comments, comments about those two guys thinking today or yesterday about as far as their defined roles. Like they're going to have Salah focusing exclusively on guard, finally focusing exclusively on, on tackle. I know earlier in the offseason, he was saying they're going to experiment a little bit with finally at guard, uh, some Jonathan Ogden stuff. But no, no, thank you. Just have him focus on those on those two skill sets and have him cement those so that he has those down. And then if you want to, you know, dab a little bit in, in the offseason. Then you know by all means, but uh, this is a time of year where you need to iron, uh, you know, iron out those specific roles for those young guys, so they're not kind of all over the place and scatterbrained, but really focus on honing those particular skills. That's a great point, Josh, and I think you know they need to. They probably need to do that for Stevens too. I actually don't think there's any danger that Stevens is going to move back to safety or slot corner this year. I think he's he's now on the outside because of the the Ravens' need. But uh, boy, I would really like to see him not moved again. And uh, you know, we've had this come up a couple of times on the show, but marginal players are the players you're really doing a disservice to because those guys, they're just, they're not capable. They don't have the skills to, to deal with positional change on top of trying to make their marginal skill set fit as well as it can at some position. If you move Marshall Yonda or Kyle Hamilton around or Jonathan Ogden, you can play them at different positions and and they're great players because they're great players. But, you know, when you, uh, Jared Johnson, you know, a guy, guy maybe a little bit more in the middle, he, you can move him around too, but you can't do that with Stevens. You can't do that with Michael Orr would be another guy who's, even though he's a first round draft pick uh, was not a guy who responded well to getting moved back from, you know, left and right tackle. 
And uh, I, th- I just think I wish they would do less of that. Kamalai Correa, probably the poster child for it in terms of inside and outside linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you know, some some guys can, some guys can get used to the whole apodextrous thing or positional flexibility. It's a good trait to have. But if a guy really can't do it, like you said, you're doing him a, a, dis, a disservice to that. You know, sometimes I felt like with Brandon Stevens, I'm like, look, man, this guy's not Jalen Ramsey, okay? He can't line <laughs> up everywhere. He can't be that star. You know, just, just mm-hmm. give it, like, let him have, you know, one or two roles. And if you want to make him uh, corner only and then, you know, spend a little bit of time on the slot, you know, as a, on the matchup base, basis, then okay. But having him flip from safety to corner, safety to corner, you know, it doesn't really give him a chance to really, like, you know, get a feel and strong, strong feel for where he belongs um, in, the, in the secondary. And, of course, a guy's always going to be like, I'm, I'll play wherever coach wants me to play. Right. But, you know, you know, deep down, he, he knows. He knows where he's, yeah. where he's best to go. The next guy on the list might be one of the really good examples of this. Jeremy Lucian, a guy came out of Connecticut and then Vanderbilt, played uh, corner exclusively in college. Uh, he had a 4-7-40, I believe, which is something that I think kept a lot of teams away from the draft. Didn't have wasn't high on a lot of draft boards. He was I saw in one service he's like 54th at cornerback, but the Ravens brought him in, and obviously they liked him in interviews or they liked him in something where they wouldn't have brought him in for to, to be on their 90. And very smart guy, as it turns out, uh, very good in the position room in terms of identifying things. And they said, well, hey, let's try out a safety kind of thing. This practice squad move, excuse me, seems to me to be one for 2024. Yeah, yeah. So um, because, you know, Gino's coming up on his last year of being restricted free agent. That might be a. You know, like fill fill in for him, and then um, I think Lardarius still has a, has another year of team control, right? Doesn't he? Oh, Lardarius. Ardarius. Ardarius. Ar- 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 uh, yes, he has one more year. No, yeah. actually, he's two more years. He's a second year yeah. player because he didn't accrue a season. I believe it was last year. Last year, yeah. No, it was. I thought he was a three, but uh, but now this is it's actually very exciting. You get a player now still for three years, including an RFA year uh, with Ardarius. So that's good. Yeah, you know, that's that's good fortune for that. But uh, but Jeremy Lucian, I'm I'm excited for where he could be next year, and I don't think he's the kind of guy that gets poached this year. I guess it could happen. Somebody signs him to reserve futures or something like that. But he, he I think he has a pretty good chance to be on the 53, playing special teams, backup safety, maybe even in a dime role next year. So I, I'd be excited about him learning that uh, and and, uh, and you know learning to play special teams as well in the in the meantime. Oh yeah. All right, move on. We've got. Tayshawn Manning as the the guard is the next guy on the list as I'm looking at. Uh, what do you think about him first? Um, SEC pedigree. I didn't see a whole lot from him in the preseason that that really that really impressed me. Like I said, the backup offensive line, man. As 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 a whole, I didn't see a whole lot. That's why I'm glad they didn't bring back a guy like Jalen Thomas. He was uh, he was yeah he was he was he was pretty bad, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, Deshaun Manning, um, that's the guy, guy I feel like, you know, once again, betting on, on pedigree and, and traits that they really like. Um, like I said, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to see too much from him just because I was going off the TV copy most of the time. Um, but <clears throat> it's a developmental guy. Like, the wild thing is, that, so they have, I don't want to say plenty of guards in the pipeline, but, you know, they have four he's coming back, four he's coming coming next year. They, they still have uh, – Patrick McCary can play all around. You know they, they're going to have Sala with another year of, of, of development. I know uh, I know uh, Zyler is going to be most likely going to be gone next year. Um, so like I said, they have been they have replacements, and then you know Ben Cleveland is another guy who you know has, hasn't caught on just just yet as far as figuring out where he belongs and how he belongs on this team. But he's another dude of, with two more years of the, of, uh, of of team control this year and next year. Right. Yeah, that's so you, you've laid it out pretty well. John Simpson, though, and Kevin Zeitler, both starting guards, are likely gone at the end of this year. Now, Simpson, yep. they might be able to resign him, but it's going to be at market value, whatever it is. And if he has the kind of year that you'd hope for him to have, he'll be gone and it'll be a compensatory draft pick type situation. If in the case of uh, Zeitler, I don't think the Ravens really want to extend him. I think the chance of, of uh, you know him coming back and playing to the end of another contract is not something the Ravens can fit into their profile of cornerstone contracts they have right now. Uh, so I think they really have to gamble on a guy like Voris being the right guard next year. Um, I don't really like the turnstile method of always having a fourth year player who's stepping in, even though that has worked for the Ravens, you know, Ryan Jensen and Matt Skura and um, Bradley Bozeman, a whole bunch of players have, have showed up in their fourth year with their, with, you know, a really fine year right before Ben powers, before they go to free agency and that's, that's been good for the team in terms of compensatory picks. It's been pretty good for the team in terms of play. 
but it would be nicer if they had some two and three year solutions out of their offensive line. And that's what I'm hoping Voris will be. And it's very much what I'm hoping uh, Sala may be. And I would think next year at this time, we're going to be talking about a left guard battle between Manning and Sala would be my guess. And not a, not a, uh, another one. Manning, the way I looked at it played pretty damn well in the preseason. He was by far the best of the third unit offensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I know people weren't really inspired by the competition this year between Simpson and Salah. Oh, a six round rookie and a guy who the Raiders discarded. But um, like I said, it, it, if you have studs at four of your five spots, you're good. You know, like I'm like, I'm not saying that left guard doesn't, doesn't matter, but you know, it's not like you have a whole lot left tackle or a whole lot right tackle where, you know, like, you know, it could, it could really, you know, impact the, I know that I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying that interior pressure doesn't matter, but when you have a stud center and, a, and at least one stud guard, you know, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to be asked out when it comes to that kind of interior, giving up easy interior pressure. Right. I actually think Simpson could be good this year. We'll, I, I do we'll too. I do too. I just, I just know some people aren't, you know, offensive line, you know, aficionados when it comes to like the great alignment or you just keeping track of who's available and who's moving around teams. So some people may not be familiar with this game, but um, if you look, if, if you really watch the film of this guy, I think it's going to be pretty good too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's exciting. So Manning, a possibility for a, for a 2024 guy, uh, Ben Mason. Uh, I honestly, if you have Vokalek on the roster, I do not understand even why you need to waste a practice squad spot on Ben Mason at this point. Hey man, you know they they wasted a, a fifth year uh, a fifth round pick on him a few a few few years ago. Maybe this is the way of vindicating. Like, see, look, he's still around. I mean, he's not exactly on the team and on the team, but you know, he's he's still around. I mean, but Ben Mason, you know, from reports that I that I that I that I read and you know stuff that I saw, you know, he had a pretty pretty decent camp. And you know, in, in case in case that Ricard Ricard tip starts acting up again, you know, you got Ben Mason waiting in the pipeline, man. They. Uh... I think I think maybe Ricard's hip is a reason why he's still around, and and Mason has not been a terrible blocker. The guy just can't. He has hands of absolute stone, and he's had such a hard time catching the football, holding on to the football, all of that stuff this year. Just he's not. It means you're you have four eligible receivers on the field anytime he's on the field. It's like you might as well put in a sixth offensive lineman at that point. And, and line he's the hands. Some size, yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'd be a little bit down on that on that particular choice, but it is what it is. Jeremiah Moon, I, what the Ravens are hoping for there, I think, is a little bit more in in terms of a Sam linebacker potential. He dropped a cover and had a nice PD reaching across the body in this last game. I think it was in the last game, and uh, played pretty well. Got a little pressure this preseason. Uh, Malik Ham is the guy who's going to start the season. Looks like he's actually going to play some at Sam linebacker. But uh, Moon uh, could be a guy that they they bring up at some point during the season for for some games, and um, uh, Tyus Bowser's situation just right now is is a black hole for the team in terms of of uh, a, a missing a critical missing piece of talent. Yeah, it, it almost makes me like man. You know, I think Calvin is still out there. You know, if you guys want to give him a call, he's he's the closest yeah. closest thing to a functional Sam out out there on the market. And I feel like, you know, at this point in the game, you know, guys like him and Melvin Ingram both are still out there. Like he, those guys probably go for go for cheap, you know, or very heavy incentive laden deal. I know you, I know they brought in Clowney and I know they got Malik Cam. But like I said, like, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who's Malik Cam with the potential to fill that role and a guy in, in uh, Calvin Noah who's proven he could fill that role. Right. So, um, like I said, this whole thing with Tyus really kind of freaks, freaks me out, too. It's just like one of those – Fluke things where it's just like, man, like, you know, what's what's going on here? You know, this is a guy who we've seen. I've never seen a guy's walk so over or overly analyzed than than Tyus yeah. Bowser. Every time this guy goes into the, yeah. into the building, walk into the stadium, walk into his car, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody got a video of him at Publix talking to him. Hey, I got Tyus Bowser walking down, walking down, walking down the aisle, picking out cereal, walking with a pronounced limp. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's funny, except it's not at all funny. Because you know we're we're sitting here and our uh, you know, our Sam linebacker is is still working off a uh, an off season injury. This is just just it's a damn shame. And uh, the Ravens defense, if you look at last year, uh, it wasn't just wasn't just Roquan Smith who got to the Ravens and turned that defense around. It happened also to be the same game that Tyus Bowser came back 
And the way the Ravens suffered for the first part of the season with without that same spot uh, covered the way it had been in previous years, um, they really, really struggled. And then they were a completely different team with the pairing of uh, of Bowser and Roquan at that point in the New Orleans game. Okay, yeah. What do you what do you think of a guy like uh, like um, uh, I know they they experimented with it in the past. A guy like um, Malik Harrison kind of filling in some of that yeah. same spot. Like I, I feel like he's a guy that's you know proven himself as a you know pretty decent blitzer, especially this preseason, and a guy who's you know somewhat adept in coverage more so than the other outside linebackers they have on the, on the roster right now. A guy like I feel like a guy like him, or I don't I don't know because of his performance in the preseason, but a guy like Trenton Simpson who profiles as a you know a guy who can potentially fill that role. But um, man, his his ability, his, his tackling and and space and his tackling and period in the preseason did not uh, inspire much confidence in me for him. Yeah, he, he had his moments, a very flashy player. He ran over a running back blitzing twice, which is re- that's really nice to see. It's really yeah. nice to see a linebacker who can completely run over a running back. Uh, I I am excited for Simpson. He actually did play one snap on the edge where there was not a outside linebacker on his side. He played other snaps where he was at the line of scrimmage standing outside of an outside linebacker was in a three-point stance. So that's not what I'm looking at. But they actually changed the package once to take out an outside linebacker, only one, and then have Simpson in the field on, on the edge. To me, that was an interesting experiment. Um, it's just one snap, but they're obviously they kind of wanted to look at it. They didn't have uh, the entire rest of the preseason. They played all base and, and nickel. So to, for them to go to that one snap where they, where they have Simpson, actually including that snap, if you want to say Simpson's an outside linebacker for that snap, they still play base and nickel. Yeah, but I just they, I just get a little concerned when you're when when you when when you when a guy struggles with uh, uh, open field tackling a little bit. Yeah, and, and the, the way he did in the Washington game in particular. I know it was his first time out, but I was like, ooh man, you can't you can't let Jared, Jared Patterson score almost untouched like that the way he did. Yeah, yeah, that was that was bad. He ran over Patterson. He that was the guy he ran over on his blitz for the sack fumble minus nine that almost won them won him the game. But then they gave it away in the next two plays. So, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't I don't foresee a lot of play from Simpson this season unless Queen is traded or or someone is hurt. Um, I think he basically is going to have a very hard time getting on the field on defense. I, I think your original thought that Malik Harrison might be the guy. He makes sense on early downs. I think Clowney makes sense to take some of the early down snaps. You still maintain some of your pressure on the field. I think Clowney basically is the third down guy. Um, and they might they might go to Malik Cam. Uh, for some of that in the early season, we'll see. He's on the roster. He's not on the roster to go on IR. He's on the roster, in my opinion, to be on the roster to to be filling in before Tyus Bowser comes back. Now, if they move him to IR tomorrow, I'm obviously wrong about that. And he's a he's a well, we could have a guy at midseason we'd really like to bring back. And that's also not a terrible deployment. It's not a terrible way to set up his usage during the season if they don't really trust. Tyus to stay healthy the whole time. So I guess I understand that too, but I'm kind of hoping he's available and, and on the ga- active game day roster for these first four games, why Tyus is out. Cause he dropped 11 times to coverage during preseason, which is about the most of anybody. So they're obviously trying to have him do it to see if he can play Sam, not just to um, ha- see what he can do rushing the passer, say on those downs. It was, it was really more important and was not targeted in those eleven in those eleven drop off yeah. drop backs. All right. What do you what do you think about Clowney helping out at, at, at Sam a little bit? I know he had some experience kind of doing that stuff early on in his career, especially when he made those. I don't know how much stock you put into three straight Pro Bowls, but during his his last few years for the Texans, he was dropping into coverage quite quite a bit. I mean, let's take a look at his number of coverage snaps over the last few years because that'll that'll be basically give you the idea. Yeah. He wasn't uh, doing it in, in 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 Tennessee or Seattle. He's more a hand in the dirt guy. Same with thing with the Browns. But I know early on in his career he was doing it. Okay, so so last year, I mean, for, first of all, I don't know that you can draw much from Clowney's play of a long time ago. But Clowney, in his entire career, his entire career has dropped the coverage 116 times. Okay, and that's in a, in the course of a nine-year career so an average you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. of what about 13 per year or something like that and by comparison bowser so i just want i want people to understand this point because this is actually really important bowser has dropped the coverage 555 times with a high of 218 in 2021 and 145 the year before that in 2020 it's only a six-year career so his his ratio of pass rush snaps to coverage snaps is only about two to one and clowny for his career Let's just look at this for a second. And Clowney's played in some 4-3 defenses where he wouldn't be asked to do that. Clowney's is approximately 30 to 1. It's it's 3,416 pass rush, 116 coverage. So, you know, it's a great point to bring up. It's a great question to ask. And the truth of the matter is Clowney's, Clowney's never done any of the SAM responsibilities, include dropping. And he still might be a guy you, you keep on the SAM side because he knows how to deal with a tight end mm. in the run game. But it takes a huge amount of flexibility away on a passing down to not be able to set your pass rush up with the possibility of that Sam linebacker dropping and the flexibility that brings you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm totally in lockstep with you there. I just know I've, I've saw people bring it up and, you know, I've, I've had to mention it, you know, in, in, in articles here or there, just because, you know, it, it's a, he's, he's done it in, in the past. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the next guy on the list. And that is, I think we talked about Jeremiah moon just now. So Rashad Nichols, um, they only made room for one of their three, I'll call them the second half crew of this uh, preseason. The guys who were in there mostly in the second half, Rashad Nichols, uh, Trey Botts, and uh, Kaim Caesar. And I kind of thought Caesar would have a chance, but I did think Nichols would be the guy to most likely to be back. And here he is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, any idea? Uh, do, are we I, surprised I, at all? I was a little surprised just because Trey Bots had that you know pretty pretty good last last game. Usually, sometimes the, those last game bumps kind of stick. You know, might get a guy you know a spot in practice squad or at least you know put him over the top over another guy who they might be neck and neck with. But a guy like Rayshon Nichols, who he, he had a pretty decent decent preseason overall, made some made some nice plays here and there. Um, a guy, uh, Kyle Caesar, he's a guy that I I had projected early on might be a good, you know, practice squad candidate. You know, if he balled out in the preseason, preseason, yeah, I think he had a batted pass, maybe a couple tackles here or there, but nothing that really stood out to me. So, I mean, you kind of stick with what you know with a guy like, like, like Rayshon Nichols, who's had, and when, I think he's, he think he's had some pretty decent showings in the games where he has been active. I'm not sure how many games he's been active. Has he been active for any regular season games yet? Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought that he had been, but I believe he still got his status and I, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Nichols, right? He's on the practice squad now, so I've got to find that. Uh, okay, I don't have it up in front of me here. I'm sorry about this, but I I think he's still a one instead of a uh uh. Oh, it's got to be here. Come on, yeah, he was active for active for one game, made uh four uh combined tackles, one solo, and then he should he he should have been advanced, I think, on the on the on the um. I don't have it. Is is what I have to tell you. I thought he was still only a first year player, but uh, I mean, does, does one game make you a make like you know credit yeah, you towards, towards I that? Don't, I don't don't want to say I, I've got a, too much of a likelihood of being wrong if I do. But uh, okay. well, yeah, his one, his one game came against the Steelers in, in week week seventeen. So okay, uh, yeah, there's there's a rule for accrued service, and I I just don't know it. But I I looked at his at his number. Earlier this year, and on the Ravens roster that they keep, I believe he's still listed as a one and not an R or a two. So R would be a rookie. One means he's a guy who does still not have a first uh, credited year of service, an accrued year of service. And a two would mean he's got one year of service already in the books. Um, the other guy who surprised me, though, Sam Mustafer is listed as a fourth-year player 
in the Ravens roster. And somehow he was released a vested veteran. And I really, I have not found in uh, an answer that I is compelling so far. And uh, I asked uh, um, Brian McFarlane about it and he can't find one either. So I can't, I, I cannot figure out why okay. it's great news. Here, I, I got you. I got you right here. So yep. on August, uh, on his pro football reference page, on August 31st, 2019, he was waived by the Bears. So that's what? 19, 20, 21, 22. No, it means he didn't play in 19. He was on the practice squad the entire season, so he shouldn't have gotten a crude year of service. He didn't play any oh. in 19. But you're right. He was, he was a UDFA in 19. Didn't get a, a year of service. So in 20, 21, 22, he picked up his first years of service. 23 is now. This is his fourth year, which mm-hmm. means he's got to go through waivers. And somehow he didn't. And the Ravens got him on the practice squad now. So happy birthday to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 it's pretty damn good. You know, I I thought he for sure might have might have gotten snatched up by a, a team with question marks at the center position, like like the Buccaneers. First one that came to mind with their whole thing yep. with Ryan Ryan Jensen. I thought he might have been a, a prime candidate for them for them to, to poach. I say I saw I even saw a guy like Tristan Colon who did make the Jets roster he gets immediately gets snatched up by the by the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. I, I I was a little surprised that Sam Mustafer came. Um, was able to be signed to the practice squad, but you know, I'm happy for it. You know, it's an experienced guy to back up to back up Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, there, there's got to be a reason for it. So I'm, I'm just being a little bit flip about about why he's a vested veteran here. Uh, but I I don't know the rule, and a guy I trust to to know the rule doesn't understand why it would be true either. So there's got to be some technicality or some agreement or some way that his contract with the Bears was written or something that, that had him accrue that year of service because uh, otherwise it, it 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 just shouldn't be. Anyway, I thought Mustafer played extremely well this preseason, by the way. Same, I, same. He's a Ravens' seventh best lineman at this point, um, and I think he'll be back for opening day almost assuredly. Um, or if he's not back for opening day, he'll be back for week two. So uh, anyway, I'm, uh, I, I think we'll see him in a Ravens uniform this year unless uh, somebody else, else makes him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, because don't they have that, uh, that rule where you can like, have an extra lineman? Or is that just a guy who's on the active roster? Or can it be a practice squad guy, too? If they have the extra lineman. They can have like, an extra like 54th player as long as it's an alignment or something like that, right? It, it, you, get, you get 46 active on game – sorry, 48th activation on game day if you have eight offensive linemen among the 48. If you don't have eight offensive linemen, you only get 47. So okay. everybody has an eighth offensive lineman they want to bring in, including teams who pretend like a defensive lineman is an offensive lineman sometimes, like with McKenzie. Was the I see yeah, McKenzie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were trying to pull that with Ricard, too, this year, which was uh, which would have been a good one. All right, let's keep going here. So we've got Josh Ross is the – by the way, I did find out Nichols is still a first-year player here, so he's got four years with the Ravens if uh, if he, he – this would be the first of his four years with the Ravens if he if he plays this year. Uh, Josh Ross, another guy. Now, people were very high on him, have been the last couple of years. To my way, he didn't play that well this preseason, uh, certainly not like he, he did in 2022. Uh, but he's also a second-year player now. Yeah, yeah, um, like definitely not as flashy as he was last year. Last year, he was kind of like I wouldn't say the preseason darling, but you know, a, a guy that was make, making pretty consistent, um, uh, impressive plays in the preseason. You just didn't really see that much, uh, at, that, that much at the same level of play from him this year. And he was like, to me, he was like clearly outplayed by guys like Luke Harrison and Delshawn Phillips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very deep position. You know, they say buy to Welch a year early, but that's the plate of a fourth year player in the NFL. You're at risk of being cut. <laughs> Uh, very frequently, you don't have any option value left. And, uh, you know, it's just at a point where Welch probably can help another team on special teams somewhere. Uh, the Ravens didn't keep him on the practice squad, which I think makes a lot of sense in terms of looking ahead to 2024 uh, with their with their practice squad. So it's, uh, you know, as much as he's been a good Raven and he's done some things to help this team, I, I don't think he had a place on the practice squad this year if they're looking for it at all. No, I'm, I agree with you 100 percent. All right. So next name on the list is Sean Ryan. Made some plays in the preseason. Uh, I think he caught four out of seven balls in – was it the first or the second game? First, uh, first game. game Eagles. First yeah. game, yeah. He was he injured second game and um, had that – the god-awful touchdown drop in the third one. Yeah. So obviously they saw something they liked there. I, I didn't know whether it would be him or Tariq Black. They would like, or, or Dante Dimas, for that matter. Dante Dimas, by the way, one of the big surprises 
being left off this list. But, you know, it's been one of the refreshing things about Ravens camp this year has been there has not been a wide receiver darling. So they had a tight end darling instead in Vokalek, but they didn't have a wide receiver darling really all of camp. There wasn't, oh, my God, this guy makes play after play. And, you know, it's been uh, it's been all of these players who never amounted to anything in the past (laughs) who, who people get so excited about. Uh, and, and this year there really hasn't been one. There hasn't been anybody that people get excited about. They get excited about the Ravens actual re- receivers that they're going to start the year with. Right. So, uh, so you're glad there's no Jeremy Butler hype or, or, nope. or, or James Perchet hype, or nope. was it was a miles Boykin one year is his rookie year. Well, miles Boykin was a third round draft pick. That's not really fair for hype. It's usually the guy I'm talking about is like a UDFA player who everybody seems to love and thinks ought to make the roster. And how could they leave him off? Kind of thing. Shamar Bridges last year. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> Makai Polk uh, fits into this category. There's yeah. just, there are quite a few of them, but uh, uh, it would be, it would be really fun to go back and make a list of that entire group of preseason wide receiver darlings for the Ravens since like 2000. I think you'd have some pretty fun names for people to remember. Oh yeah. All right. Travis Vokalek, one of the really good ones, obviously a priority player um, in, in terms of what they have. I, you know, do you think Vokalek and Ricard were really ever in competition? Cause I think there might've actually been some competition there. I think if Vokalek had a proven himself or showed more as, as, as a blocker, then there definitely would have been more of a more of a competition there, but because the car is far and away the better blocker of the two. Granted, you know Vokalek's the better pass catcher of the two, um, but the Ravens already have plenty of good pass catching tight ends. So if, if you're going to stick on this roster as a what fourth or fifth tight end, or you know U back H back hybrid kind of thing, you would have had to prove yourself more as a blocker. Yeah, I. I, I... I'm not saying that Vokalek was wonderful as a blocker because he wasn't, but they tried him as a blocker. They lined him up in the backfield a number of times. They did that with the other tight ends as well with Kolar and whatnot. But here's the, here's the thing that got me in the last game in particular, Kolar had a fall off the table, bad um, game as a pass blocker and really as a run blocker as well, but mostly as a pass blocker. And it, I recorded more negative events on pass blocking than PFF had enlisted for pass blocking snaps. In fact, I have time references if people want to look at it. So uh, it's just, it was one of those games that was utterly horrible. And I have to think that Monken might've said, I don't know if we really need Ricard. If we have four pass catching guys who could, you know, handle their share of the load on blocking, then I'm fine. You don't need to keep Ricard around for me. And then they saw, you know, Kolar basically fall flat and knowing he's going to be one of the three guys that's active and Vokalek, you'd have to, you know, go out of your way to make him active over Kolar for any period of time. Now the thought is, well, no, we, we, we need a tight end for sure. And even if there's a savings there, sorry, a fullback for sure. Even if there's a savings there, we need Ricard to help try and close out football games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they definitely played a part in it. I think Patrick Ricard is definitely in, on, one of one of John Harbaugh's guys as far as tone setter. You know, this is the guy we need to like, like said, finish out games and and not just finish out games, but also set set the tone too. I mean, yeah. that, there were many a times where Patrick Ricard you know, paved the way for an early Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins run, or even Pop Lamar for one, or just had a devastating block on somebody, and that really kind of you know get the, get the offense going sometimes. Ravens got their ass kicked in terms of snap count in the preseason this year. And some of that is playing a wide open offensive game. Some of it's also not having a, a, a team that is moving the ball in the later parts of games when the other team is, is still trying to catch up like was the case in Washington. And um, it, this is a case where the Ravens um, need to make sure they don't do that to their defense for the entire season. And one of the players who helps you efficientize your individual series success rate. And that's the percentage of times you either score a touchdown or get a first down on each new series of downs. Um, that's something the Ravens need to be good at, despite the fact they also want to be good at picking up chunk plays. But you, if you have a bunch of drives that last relatively few plays and you don't score in a high percentage of them, which I believe will be the case with the Monken offense, I believe they'll score a, a good amount of points, but they're not going to approach the 2019 Ravens in terms of scoring, because that's one of the greatest offenses of all time. So I think, you know, if they're, if they're at 2.4 points per drive and they're giving up a, the kind of numbers of offensive plays to the opponent that I think they might 
if they you know play fast to get to 2.4 points per drive. I think this defense could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, I think Mike 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 McDonald's definitely going to. I wouldn't say have his work cut out for him, but they might have to carry a bit of the, more of the load this year as compared to how, how they would under under the, the previous regime. Because you know, you guys aren't, aren't probably going to have as many sustained drives. You guys just chill on the sideline for you know ten minutes of game time or whatever you know. You might be only on the sideline for three four minutes, four minutes, five minutes, maybe six, seven at the most. You know, like I, I, I could see them. Like I know they don't want to get rid of all the Greg Roman concepts and stuff like that, especially for like late game stuff where they will kind of want to sit on a lead and salt the game away. And they're going to keep some of those concepts in there. But for the most part, this 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 offense is going to be it's going to be you know wheels up and you know a lot a lot of tempo, not, not a whole, whole lot of huddling. So. I don't think that I, I agree with you in the sense that the defense is not going to get as much of a break as they've had in the past under under Greg Roman when Greg Roman was calling plays on the opposite side. Right. I mean, Lamar Jackson's not helping your defense as much as he has in past years, even though he certainly, one would guess, he's going to have a better statistical year in terms of yards. He'll probably throw more touchdown passes than he has on average in his career so far for a season. I don't think he'll be nearly as good as he was in 2019, so I'm not saying that. But I am saying that I think he 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 should have better passing statistics than he's had before because the the, the offense will will deal with that spacing better. And Lamar's been a great two minute quarterback, so that's not the problem. The problem is how pacing screws up your defense in terms of them being on the field and having to go back out there and try and get stops. And it's just very difficult. You got to play mistake free offensive football to get away with a fast paced offense. Yeah, you're definitely going to have to have I call it high. Let's say have leverage, but like you know, like all right, this these these plays that we have picked out or dialed up have a high percentage of succeeding, or at least picking up a first down or two. You know, like we may not have to finish in the end zone every time, although that'd be preferable to increase their you know red zone percentage compared to last year, especially. But you know, you're gonna have to have like a high percentage of success plays dialed up to where like, hey, right, like we have this thing spread out or schemed up this way, we're gonna at least get. You know, thir- like you know, twenty to thirty yards on this drive. We're to pick up a couple first downs. You don't have to initially mark down the field every time, but at least give your defense somewhat of a breather. You know, every every now and then. Well, hopefully this uh, the offense is uh, queued up in exactly that way. Now we've got we Owen Wright. We didn't mention he's a running back. He uh, obviously had some good runs in the last preseason game, in particular that thirty-eight yard run was a nice eye opener. Some broken mm-hmm. tackles and uh, look good. Just look good. You know. Powerful runner. He had some uh, – uh, was not successful the whole time. And, honestly, a lot of that I, I pretty much blame on the offensive line who was in the game um, when he yeah. was. Yeah, I was going to say that, too. Like, I was going to cut Owen Wright some slack because a lot of times when he finally checked into the game, I um, mean, you know, it was a lot of times it was behind the third, four-string offensive line, and their run blocking was, I'm not going to lie, piss, piss poor at times. You know, yeah. He was kind of running into the back of guys, running into brick walls, running into a wall of defenders. And um, it was nice to see him, you know, kind of break loose a few times in that, um, that preseason finale, especially with, with uh, Mitchell out. Do you, they've got two running backs on the on the practice squad. One of them is a veteran, Melvin Gordon, and the other, of course, is is right. Do you think that means the Ravens might be might not look at other R or one guys out there that are cut around the league? And obviously, you know, I don't think any team has the bandwidth to deal with it right now. But do you think the Ravens are still in the process of sorting through who's still available uh, to try and figure out who they might like to like to get? As, as, as far as running back goes, or yeah. just as running back in particular, because because the, the, this is a position where they do have a veteran sitting there on the practice squad. They have four guys who, if Gordon gets snaps ahead of any of them, it would kind of make me angry. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and it, what kind of kind of worries me a little bit is that I don't know if you saw the report that Gordon was fielding calls from like, like a few different teams, but often to go back with the Ravens. So like the, the Ravens you know, guarantee him something or like, Hey, you know, if an injury occurs, your first man up kind of thing. Like, like I, that kind of stuff kind of worries me a little bit just because I just didn't see a whole lot from Gordon. I mean, he's definitely not the guy he was with the chargers or even with like the Broncos the past, the past, uh, you, you know, year or so. I just saw a guy who was just like, like a little sluggish. He was like a decent in between the tackles runner, but he wasn't the guy that was ripping off, you know, chunk runs or even, you know, highly efficient runs. Like he broke a few tackles here and there. We kind of look like a slower version of Gus Edwards to me out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you'd think the Ravens would have learned their lesson from the bringing these veteran backs. The last Mike Davis. Go to the good set of that. You know, Devonta Freeman was probably the best of that group. You know, it wasn't Murray, 
I wouldn't say. Uh, Latavius Murray, and it wasn't uh, it certainly wasn't uh, Le'Veon uh, Bell. Le'Veon Bell, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Le'Veon Bell may have more in common than Gordon in terms of he once was good. Uh, and it's just, I I would think by now the Ravens have just kind of learned their lesson, and uh, they've got four guys who I think you know a couple of speed guys, which is really exciting now that they could maybe even pony up on some plays, and uh, and have. You know, Keaton be a motion guy, a slot guy, line up as a receiver to start. You could do the same thing with Hill if you wanted to. All kinds of gadgetry possibilities with who they got. I just don't I don't see what Melvin Gordon brings this team in replacing either of their two primary guys. And you know, I forgive me for believing this, but I don't really believe he's a third down back that he somehow replaces, you know, other guys on the roster there either. No, I mean you just saw when the guy had the ball in his hands in the preseason. He makes nobody miss. You know he gets he gets he gets two string tackled or or, or or leg tackled. You know if you don't if you don't if you go try to go head up with him, yeah, he might run you over. But if you get him on his on his side hip or get him by his legs, dude's going down. But you know what? If he was if he is the lucky charm that he was for the Chiefs last year, I'm just I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but you know the fact that he was on the, their practice squad, they won a Super Bowl. If he can if he can hang on the Ravens practice squad all year and that guarantees him the Super Bowl, then hey, you know keep him on keep him on the practice squad all year. Now this is interesting. I'm just looking at Melvin Gordon's career as a pass blocker to see what PFF thinks of him. This is truly incredible. Eight year career for Melvin Gordon. His pass blocking grade has dropped every single year. Here, the, here the, the, by year, 2015, he's at 74, then 68.8, 56.3, 56.2, 47.0, 41.7, 41 41.4, and 39.9 last year. That's just, there's no way that's going to be a player who's on the efficient frontier, as I call it, of, of being a good pass blocker and a good pass receiver uh, if you wanted him on third down. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that was part of why the Ravens got him originally or not. I can't really figure out the reason. I think it was more of an insurance policy. But I don't know why you need to keep paying for this insurance policy by uh, assigning a practice squad spot to him when you could have other guys who either are running backs or not running backs that you need uh, uh, potentially first. Yeah, I mean, I haven't checked the extent of the, the, what, what running backs are out there available. I saw that John Kelly guy from the from the Browns got got cut. I'd rather have him in a practice squad than a guy like Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon just because, like I said, I've seen more pop from him. I've seen more, you know. More and more and more agility and and more and more. I wouldn't say necessarily power because I did watch a few Browns preseason games, but there are some young running backs out there who who've been released that I'd, I'd rather have in a practice squad over a guy like Melvin Gordon. Is Kelly an R or one guy, or is he is, even if he's a two? I'd still say that's better. But is, what year is he? Do you know? Um, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I know he's been on their roster for at least the past the well, the practice you know preseason roster at least the past two years. I'm not sure if he's a. I'm not sure if he's a. Uh, uh, how long he's been up there? What's his first name? Do you, do you, uh, is it, Silas Kelly? No, that's a linebacker. It's no, uh, Josh Kelly, mate. No, Josh Kelly. John Kelly Jr. Yeah, there we go. I think the thing. John Kelly Jr. Okay, he's almost twenty-seven. Draft year was two thousand eighteen. So yeah, he's got some time in the league. He's only played about fifty-six snaps in total. It's interesting. I I don't know what year he is of service, but uh, you know, to to me, the situation. He was a six-round draft pick in twenty eighteen. To me, the thing would be is what what years of ten what years of service does he still have left? Because if he's if he's got some sand in the hourglass still, that's potentially worth a gamble. For sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? We want to talk about the veterans really quick, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll pull it out here. Daryl Worley on the practice squad. He's obviously coming back at some point. He's the Ravens' fourth safety, and I think it's just a matter for the injuries to get sorted out before he's back. Uh, he's the yo yo guy. He's the yo yo guy. You know. Yeah. You cut him loose and bring him right back. Well, you could. I think he understands what the arrangement is at this point, and they might not bring him back till week two. But I would expect he'd be. They might even use up his practice squad elevations with him as the fourth safety early in the season before they bring him up for good. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I agree. That's why you know initially I thought he might have he, he was had a decent chance of making the making the roster just because of that fourth safety. Because I, I, I like you said earlier, I, I view Odarius as the slot corner and you know pretty much nothing else besides the slot corner and i view stevens as a as an outside only guy so to me like in my eyes they only have three safeties on, on the roster right now i'm not really counting our darius towards that although you know in the bench they probably would play him at, at, at safety if they needed to now i we heard a lot of talk about laquan treadwell who's the last guy other than gordon we don't need to talk about again on the practice squad um not surprised that he didn't make the roster 
what do you think about him being on the practice squad where he is now? Um, I saw a guy who was, you know, who's willing to humble himself and play some special teams and actually like put some effort into it. Sometimes you get those first round guys who, you know, like, who, like turned out and their careers don't pan out the way they you know, wanted to, and they but they still don't really, you know, kind of put the effort towards towards uh, performing on special teams. But he's a guy that he made the first special teams tackle in the in the in the, in the Eagles game. You know, and he's a, he's a guy that like, like heard nothing but good things about. So, like I said, I, I like this, I love to see a guy who I wouldn't say fall off the pedestal, but a guy who's willing to humble himself and play in the often you know overlooked uh, uh, facets of the game. And was like, like I mean, that might that might have been what what got him a, a spot in the practice squad, honestly, more so than that twenty four yard you know catch and run touchdown that he had against the Bucks. I feel like his um his willingness to to be a, a factor on special teams and just having that additional depth at receiver. Yeah, definitely a guy who uh, uh, can give you a little something on special teams. He's played there most of his career. Uh, I guess not quite the whole thing, but most of his career he has. Uh, As of late, he's played on yeah. special teams, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, uh, that's nice. I, 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 Treadwell is kind of the antithesis of what I would expect to have on the practice squad. He's definitely not a futures guy. You own no part of Laquan Treadwell's future. So it's all about this. what can he do for you this year. <laughs> And the Ravens obviously feel that's enough or they don't have the guy who obviously they would prefer to have in terms of, of futures value to, to put on the practice squad at this moment. Like he may become available as the year goes on or as they kind of do a little of their scouting from, from the preseason games and from the early tape in the regular season to, to find a guy that they, uh, they want to give a chance ahead of Treadwell. Yeah, I, I thought if they wanted a guy with more size, you know, why not, you know, bring Demas back? Like, you know, yeah. he's a guy that showed not only that he has size, but he knows how to use that size in that last game alone. So I, 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 that's the fact that they brought Treadwell. Maybe that was, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how that whole thing with Demas works, but I think it would have been nice to bring him back. I mean, what I saw from him in the last game alone was enough to, at least to me, earn a practice squad. Spot. I mean, you don't even have to point just at the last game. I mean, Dante Demas is a rookie, and Laquan Treadwell, the Ravens own no part of his future. With Dante Demas, they've got him for four years if they if they just say the word. Basically, he can be signed off their practice squad. That could happen. But then he's got to go directly onto the roster for the other team and stay there for three weeks. Not a lot of teams are willing to do that during the regular season. It's you know, it's usually a Belichick acquiring a special teams spy. That is the reason they do it. But but there's in the case of Dante Demas, I think it really is an awesome opportunity for a true developmental player. And that obviously isn't true of Laquan Treadwell. Even if he can help you this year, even if he's 200% of the player that Demas is this year, I, I still say Demas is probably the better choice for the long term. Yeah, definitely surprised me that he wasn't one of the guys that they brought back. Yeah. All right, Josh, always a pleasure. Any other thoughts before we uh, call it off here? Um, I was surprised they didn't put a claim in for some of these young cornerbacks that shook loose. A guy like Darius Rush, who landed with the Chiefs. And so my whole thing is like the Chiefs got to be like last in the waiver claim yeah. process because they're Super Bowl champions. How do you let a guy like Darius Rush, especially the team like the Ravens, who love senior bowl standouts? And this guy was one of the brightest senior bowl standouts you could you could find and read about. And the fact that he wasn't that they didn't even put in a waiver claim on this guy, I was a little surprised by that. I'd, I'd rather have a guy like Darius Rush over Arthur Millett, you know. Ten times, like you know, ten, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I'm. I'm just looking at at how it went for him in the preseason this year. He didn't play a whole lot of snaps, about 42 snaps. That's not a lot to go on. Um, he did give up two touchdowns, uh, but you know, I, so sure. Why you, not? So yeah. did Caillou, so did right. And he had an interception. Rush had interception. So 436 speed for Rush too. So if you wanna, if you wanna bet a little bit on your team. In terms of that, that'd be a good place. But if they if they claim him, then they'd have to put him on the roster. So they'd have to cut Molet, I guess is what that would mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, not the end of the world. Um it, it'd be a yeah. I yeah. I, I kind of wish they had made a a tried to deal from a position of strength with some of the inside linebacker talent they had there i mean guys who are getting cut if they wanted to get ahead of kansas city they could have easily done it by trading you know anything pretty much conditional seventh uh christian welch you know players like that that you could you could trade to pick up a guy who's going to get cut and just tell look we're putting a claim do you want to trade trade him to us or not kind of thing yeah especially uh, for a team like the colts who need linebackers i mean like 
Like I, I don't, I'm not sure who they have starting next to uh, Shaq Leonard now. I think it's a uh, EJ Speed or somebody. I don't know, but mm-hmm. you could. My whole thing is if you if they weren't going to keep Darius Rush, then you know might as well flip him for something instead of just letting him get claimed by the reigning Super Bowl champions who have pre- been pretty adapted at, at uh, developing young corners these past few years. So who knows? Josh, always a pleasure talking with you about you know strategy the ravens what they're what they're doing with their practice squad is a very interesting thing but it's because you're knowledgeable generally about the roster and what's going on and that's what makes it a lot of fun living a life out there in alaska as a full-time reporter i i can't tell you how many people in in baltimore are jealous of you for that in terms of of actually having a full-time reporting gig but many people believe me among the podcasting community here in baltimore so uh congratulations on that really uh wish you nothing but the best anything coming up cool for you in terms of coverage um, you talking about like like Alaska coverage or Ravens coverage? What, whatever you got, man. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, 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 so there's there's a guy up here, made, he, um, Brandon Peely. He made the uh, the Dolphins 53 man roster, first Alaskan in I believe 10 years to make an NFL active roster. So I'll be talking to him pretty soon. Um, and then as far as uh, uh Ravens Ravens stuff, I'll be doing my annual uh, uh rookie bold prediction series. Maybe I might, I might even just be one article this year. I, I used to in the past I used to do it for a series, but I don't really envision this this the, at least the draft picks to be that impactful of a draft class outside of Zay Flowers this year. So I might just stick to just to have just one article this year. Mm-hmm. All right, outstanding, Josh. Uh, always great to have you on your Twitter handle, just so people can contact you there. It's the Josh Reed nine zero seven. All right, that's the Alaska area code. In case you were wondering. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter or X. I want to hear from you. This is the way I meet people to, to do these shows. So please, it's a it's a guest-driven uh, set of shows. A lot of people suggest what they want to do. If there's a kernel of an idea that we can work into something that doesn't completely overlap with something that's been recently done, I'm pretty much amenable to doing that sort of show and love to hear from you. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me like always, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.